Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet 5.9, the fan, Ben Ennis, Brian Gunning. And maybe there were people that laughed at the discourse in this city surrounding a third-string goaltender before the season. Not and, me. And, and the Leafs' ability or inability to get Martin Jones through waivers and how important that felt at the time. They slid right through. Off to the Marlies he went, where he was not very good. Like, not good. Martin Jones, not good in they, the American League this they season. They say it's harder to play goal down there. Sure. So Dennis Hill to be what? Is like the greatest goalie that's ever lived? Uh, TVD. All right. We're okay. not going to. But, but he was not good with the Marlies. Marlies team that's, yeah, okay. Not so great either. But steps into uh, his first opportunity, the National Hockey League level, uh, in a pretty tough spot in relief. Gets the victory. Mm-hmm. And he now has his first shutout. As a member of the Toronto Maple Leafs, making 38 saves, the the, the quality of which are... Three high-danger chances. Yeah. According to Money Puck. 38 is 38. Yep. Helps the old save percentage. Better than 37. It, it certainly is. Um, and as Gord Stelic mentioned, the, the first star of a hockey game in which his team scored seven goals. Gord cares a surprising amount about the three stars <laughs> having worked with him and having done it and like i am not who thinks about the three stars uh, me and gord honest. i tell yeah. you we so we will sit we would sit there in the third yeah. period going i bet you they're gonna give it to you yeah. know who yeah. it was not on my radar that he was the number one star <laughs> but anyways he did the things he was supposed to do which was stop all the pucks headed in his direction yep Ilya samsonov quite notably not doing that mm-hmm. recently. And the Leafs were bad in the first 40 minutes against the Columbus Blue Jackets, but they could have won that game in regulation if they Certainly had, could've. like, average goaltending. Mm-hmm. And he's fine in the third period and allows the, the goal in, in overtime, yada, 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 yada. Ilya Samsonov, I don't know if he's broken right now, but it, you don't feel great when he's getting the start, which I don't know when that's going to happen next. What do you do? I mean, this is not a conversation that needs to take place right now because it's not like Joseph Wall's on the verge of coming back, right? Mm-hmm. He's got the high ankle sprain. Yeah. And how long was Timothy Lilligren out? He was out at least a month, right? Uh, yeah. Beyond that, maybe close to two. Yeah, it's it's going to be a while until he returns. But if this continues in this direction, by which I mean Martin Jones being the superior of the two goaltenders in the National Hockey League level for mm-hmm. the Leafs and Ilya Samsonov having... No contract with this Leafs team beyond this one. What do you do if Joseph Wall returns and you can only keep two of the three goaltenders? I think that that problem, just like I know you're asking me to solve that, but I think this problem is going to iron itself out. Obviously, if it if Martin Jones proves himself, and I think the it's obviously not a good thing that Joseph Wall's absence is going to be a somewhat long one, but in this specific scenario you do want to have a long-ish track record with Martin Jones. Like, I think even if, let's say, let's say they do give him a run of starts here. He gets the game tomorrow night against the Rangers, which I wholly expect. Let's say that goes well. He gets the net against the Sabres. Okay, how many times do you need to see that before you turn your opinion on Martin Jones to, okay, this is a guy who maybe has a, a higher floor than most to all of a sudden him being the guy for this team? Because I think I'm going to need to see it for a good long while before I'm totally totally buying in. I understand the way it looks. I understand the way Samsonov has looked, but there's a reason Martin Jones was lost in the wilderness and there's a reason he couldn't slide through waivers. I'd love to be proven wrong also, about this. Uh, there's also a reason why Ilya Samsonov was not tendered a qualifying offer by the Washington Capitals, right? 
Yeah, right. but one of those things costs a lot more money than the the other. I mean, you look at what Dubis, or uh, yeah, it was Dubis who signed him. You look at what they had to give him this year as well. It's three million bucks. Like that's not nothing compared to the literal eight hundred k flyer mm-hmm. on on Martin Jones. I think with Samsonov, there is a real world where, again, because of the track record you're going to have, I don't think this is the way it'll play out. But if it does, where you're basically going two and one with Martin Jones and Samsonov the rest of the way. And Joe Wall comes back and he, I think the problem with Joe Wall is that there's going to be a long layoff and he has a nice track record, but it isn't long enough Mm -hmm. either that I think he's unassailable. No, I mean, in a perfect world, you keep all three. Of course you can. Right. And well, this is part, maybe this is part of the reason. I don't think this went into the equation thus far, but maybe it continues to go into it. Maybe this is part of the reason why Bradshaw living keeps his powder dry Mm. regarding using that LTIR space that he has for, for Klingberg and potentially, Ryan Reeves. Maybe that's a reason why he keeps his powder dry regarding the defenseman trade so that they do have the cap space if needed to carry all three of them and allow yourself to kind of hold the fort until that situation stabilizes itself. I think that's part, possibly part of the equation. It'll only evolve as we see Joe Wall getting closer and closer, yeah. which again, he ain't close. No, he's not. Hey, could I see a scenario where, yeah, things continue down this path and Joe Wall returns and Ilya Samsonov gets an, uh, a well-timed uh, trip to LTIR himself. I don't know. Mm, he's going to want to play ball a lot less than some other guys. I, I get it. I get it. I get it. Uh, but we'll see. Uh, yeah, his uh, north of $3 million cap, uh, cap hit could uh, help at the deadline as well. All right. This Insider is brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. Frank Saravelli. President of hockey content for dailyfaceoff.com is today's insider. How's it going, Frank? Pretty good, guys. How are you? Uh, doing all right. Basking um, in the afterglow of a 7 nothing Leafs win, myself personally. Feeling great. Basking in the afterglow of a Cowboys loss. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'll take How that about too. them Cowboys? I'll take that too. <laughs> all right. We'll, we'll wait to see what your Eagles look like, uh, probably without Jalen Hurts tonight. But yeah, no, uh, the Cowboys are frauds. Uh, that's, that's pretty well established. Can't confirm. Um, but back to the Leafs. Uh, we were just talking about the Martin Jones of it all. Uh, and yeah, he's been not so great the last couple of years, um, say percentage wise in the national hockey league, they dodge a bullet though, that, that nobody claimed this guy that the beginning of the season, they were able to sneak him through waivers. A hundred percent. I mean, can you think of a more ideal third goalie in the league? I can't No. <laughs> Doesn't make a lot, not a pain in the arse to deal with. Has experienced a ton, started 40, 48 games last year, 42 games he started, 48 games he played. I mean, what's better than that? Yeah, I mean, you look at it and it is a kind of an ideal scenario. I guess the the question we're kind of been talking about here is with goaltenders, like it can be such a a finicky position. And obviously, you know, someone with Jones pedi- or track record, I shouldn't say pedigree. Well, yeah, pedigree and track record. Maybe you need to see a little less, but... How much do you think the Leafs need to see from Martin Jones? Like, they're going to have a chance here again. Joe Wall not coming back anytime soon. It's going to be him and Samsonov for the, you know, at least foreseeable future here. How, how, like, how many games do you think they need to see from Martin Jones where for him to go from, hey, he's the third goalie in this and he's helping them hold the fort to maybe he's not the third goalie and maybe he should be the backup when, when you have a, when you have a healthy tandem to, to kind of choose from there. Like how long does a track record of good play need to be for Joe, for the Leafs to kind of change their mind or evolve their opinion on Jones? You think? I don't know how the Leafs would answer that question, but I wouldn't need to see a lot, maybe a handful, five more and say, yeah, this guy's dialed in. He's had a lot of, 
time to prepare for this opportunity, meaning the entire stretch of the first couple months of the season waiting. And now he's ready to go. And you never really know what that extra work and time can do familiarizing yourself with the team, the goalie coach, the expectations, the city. I mean, all that goes into it. And then you get to a spot now in you know, mid-December, right before Christmas, where you're handed one, and he takes the ball and runs with it. I mean, mm. I wouldn't need to see that much in order to proclaim him the backup, he, if we're being honest. Give a bit, like Solely based on mostly how Samsonov has played. Yeah, well, it, it it will be telling if, in fact, they give Martin Jones a run of games here that they're they're not um, they're not trying to rehabilitate Ilya Samsonov that they're they're already maybe mentally moving on from him this season. I mean, ha- well, they were going to have to at some point anyway. It yeah, seemed I, like they were kind of already with Wall taking the ball and running with it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean Sheldon the- Keith. Sheldon Keith from the jump. You read the tea leaves on his comments, and it's pretty clear that was the guy he was most confident in heading into the season for sure. I'd say in Wool. Well, I think the way the the contract situation played out over the summer with mm-hmm. Samsonov, I, th- I think everyone kind of understood that this was a one year stopgap type situation. That that is. Yeah, and and that's fine. And you hope to replicate what he what he provided for you during the course of the regular season last year, and then in the six games against the Tampa Bay Lightning. It is kind of surprising that yeah, a team who saw that run of success from a goalie would be that like that hesitant to to believe that he's the guy for this season. I get it; they're goalies, but this is a guy's a force, yeah. a former first round pick who performed like there was no safety net for him last season for a team with expectations when Matt Murray goes down game one of the season and he has like almost a 920 save percentage and then outplays Andre Vasilevsky <laughs> over six games. And like after two games of this regular season, this, like they, they, they were ready to, to proclaim Joe Wall the starter ahead of him. What, what does that tell you about the way Samsonov's season last year was perceived internally? Maybe as a one-off? Yeah. It's so incredibly hard to duplicate success at that position year in and year out. And I think maybe in in some respects, a lot of people felt like he overachieved last year and was due for a regression. And more than that, I think they were just the entire time, organizationally, the plan was for Joe Wall to get this opportunity at this point in time. Maybe not necessarily with the bulk of the starts, or at least to this point this season prior to injury getting the bulk of the starts. But that without a doubt, the clear plan was for Wall to be with the Leafs this year getting an opportunity. And that Samsonov is on a one-year deal as well. I think they knew that based on his demands and asks last summer that he wasn't going to be long for this city. Yeah, it does uh, does tend to be tracking that way, and I think that was definitely a possibility heading into the season and the way it's played out. But it, it's funny, right? Like we're not even thirty games into the year. Like it's such a long year, and I I'm not calling it by any means. But if you if you want to tell me, and I'm not saying you are, but if somebody wants to tell me in two months' time that Ilya Samsonov is going to be the unassailable Leaf starter, I've heard way way stranger things, especially regarding uh, that position. Leafs. Oh, they... I would bet good money that that's okay. not the case. Yeah, I... 
I would too, Frank. I'm just saying goalies are a bit of voodoo. And uh, I think between the three of them, I, I could be talked into any scenario is all I'm, I'm trying to say there. Uh, regarding Austin Matthews, he misses the game. It's this flu bug or whatever's ripping through the Leafs team. They've been kind of dealing with it for like a month now. I know there's been other illnesses throughout the league, not making excuses, but it is odd that seemingly every time Matthews is out of the lineup, the Leafs look shot out of a cannon. I, I forget what their exact record is, but it's been dominant in his Leafs career without him in the lineup what do you make of that is it anything more than just the team kind of feeling like they need to rise to the occasion or is there maybe something more to read into it there I I don't make anything more of it than what you said when you have your goal scorer that's on pace for 69 goals this year I would say 70 but it's not because of the game that he missed and you know that you need to pick up the pace scoring you need to play a little bit harder to to make sure that pucks end up in the back of the net. That's what I think kind of goes through the room and and through their mindset heading into it. I don't think it's mm. I don't I don't know what else it could possibly be. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I don't even know what like what you're hinting at when well, you no, ask no, I'm, the Okay, so I'm not Are they better with no no, no, no Austin no, Matthews. No, no, Should I, they trade Austin Matthews? <laughs> Imagine you get that that money off the books at the deadline. Okay, you could do uh, some stuff with that. Okay, all right. Don't don't even don't even engage with that. Here's what I think some people would point to is so you see in that game, Matthew Nyes, he's been riding shotgun with Matthews for a lot of the year. He's with mm-hmm. Max Domi. Max Domi gets smoked into the boards in an aggressive way, and Matthew Nyes goes, hmm, I don't like that. Now, I don't think Matthew Nyes fought that guy because Austin Matthews wasn't playing in the lineup, but some people have pointed to that and say, hmm, he's with that guy who is much more of a tiger. He gets angry or gets mad. He snaps a little bit and Domi and a younger player maybe feeds off of some of that. I personally think that's poppycock in my opinion, but I do think there is some element of that sentiment out situational. there. Agreed. Yep. Agreed. I just, that, that is when you're asking what I'm, I'm not hinting at it, but I do think there are a lot of people mm-hmm. who I shouldn't even say share that opinion, but wonder that opinion uh, out loud. Uh, another thing I wanted to ask you about Frank is uh, I didn't know this was possible. Wait, wait a second. Yeah, it's yeah, fair please. to ask the question of did Matt Nyes, did we see a little more from Matt Nyes because of the opportunity in that moment? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely think there's something there. Uh, the thing I did want to ask you about is uh, I was shocked. I didn't even know this was allowed in a cap league, but we had not one, but several trades in the last couple of days. Nothing major, you know, a Thomas Tatar here, as did Nika there. Uh, but what do you make of the trade? Is this just some teams kind of getting their business done before the trade freeze kicks in? Do you think that it's just kind of a perfect scenario here? And you know where I'm going with this is uh, one of the Leafs going to make a trade with all that LTIR money. Uh, I, I think... Part of it is to make a couple people happy, uh, grant some Christmas wishes, if you will, uh, get some players moving to different teams because they've asked for a change of scenery. I think with a team like Colorado, it's a bit more, uh, I guess, planned or plotted than that when you move on from Tatar. They've now got exactly enough cap space to land someone like Elias Lindholm, like to the dollar, I think it is. Mm. And I think a lot of people are curious, well, what does that mean? Like, does this mean the Colorado Avalanche who have struggled at center for the last, I don't know, year and a half? um, Does this mean that they're going to take a run at Lindholm? I do think they've had some conversation with the Calgary Flames. I don't think that they've presented themselves as any more serious than any other team. But that's certainly something cap-wise and money-wise that when you shed that type of salary, 
it certainly makes you wonder. Um, and when are the Leafs going to use their LTIR? I mean, I don't know. I think you have a night like Saturday night and you sit back and you say, let's just see how things mm. progress. But maybe I'm misreading it. No, they, they've definitely uh, given themselves some, they bought some time with the, the the way they've played this season and the points that they've racked up. Yeah, yeah. man, it does feel like the Flames are kind of the, the linchpin as to whether we get a good deadline or not. Like the, the Flames need to lose a little bit more. They're only three points back of the second wildcard spot in the Western Conference. Like what if the Flames are in the playoffs, Frank? That would really stink. It would. I also am not convinced <laughs> that even if they're in the same spot as they are right now, that they're going to be a team that's sitting tight and, and buckling in for the playoffs. Like I, I think they recognize in their front office that at the end of the day, even if they get in, I don't think anyone's looking at them as a threat. And mm. more than that, you know, the whole mantra and, and the way this league operates is just get in. You never know. Mm -hmm. It could be us. I don't think they're thinking that way. I think they're thinking we we probably need to redo this and reboot, retool, whatever R word you want to use, that they need some serious surgery with that group. I mean, can you do that if you're physically inside the playoffs? Look, like, honestly, like, a point or two difference shouldn't make a difference. But, like, if if they're physically inside the playoff picture at the trade deadline, can like is there is there precedent for that in the National Hockey League in a sport where it does feel like if you if you get a seat at the table you can win it all? Well, and hold on, is that maybe this year it's different? Is that sentiment changing at all? Like this is something Ben and I have kind of bandied about all year long. Is it changing where NHL teams are looking at it a little more like almost an NBA team would of not get not just get in and find a way? Ah, the goalie will get hot. We'll do some forechecking. Like that seems to be the mantra. But do you think teams are looking at it a little more of not just get in, but do we really have a shot this year? Because I, I, I've wondered aloud about that all year long. Yeah, I, I do. I think teams are looking at it a little bit more pragmatically. I mean, even in the East where it kind of feels more wide open than it's been in the last few years, mm -hmm. um, I just think teams are, are considering their overall posture. Like, look at the St. Louis Blues. Like, they just fired their coach in a year in which their general manager acknowledged to me point blank last month that he doesn't expect <laughs> them to contend for a playoff spot. Yeah, I don't know how you mash the two of those things together and where you come out, but they're one team even closer to the playoffs than the Flames that I could certainly see them moving out pieces. Mm. Yeah, If the right calls were made to Barry Trotz, another team in the playoffs by a few points right now, I could see them plucking off a piece or two. That's kind of the thought process is, especially in the West where there's a clear barrier between the very top teams and the teams that are just squeaking in mm. that I think it makes a huge difference in, in how you view it. We, we've already seen it's, it's uh, head coach firing season. We've seen three of them already canned before uh, Christmas in the national hockey. Four, if you include Mike Babcock. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> sure. I, I feel like you need to get a game in before I, I no, put you on disagree. Uh, you Count. I'm <laughs> disagree. I'm <laughs> no, with you, Frank. All right. We just saw Mike Sullivan's Pittsburgh Penguins in here on Saturday. Holy cow. Um, and that's a team that, yeah, had expectations considering they, they're paying Eric Carlson all the money for all the years still to come and still have Sidney Crosby playing at an elite level. The Ottawa Senators have also now just lost four consecutive. They find themselves... And I get it. They, they got some games in hand on the Blue Jackets. They're dead last in the Eastern Conference, losers of four straight. I just feel like th th this isn't about to slow down anytime soon, the, the number of head coaches on, on the hot seat. 
it, it's it's really amazing what's happened in Ottawa, a team that I can't really quite figure out because you look at the roster and you go through it and you think, man, this team should be so much better than they've shown. But at some point, when you continue to bang your head against the wall and do the same thing night after night, time after time, it doesn't matter when you go into Dallas last week on a back-to-back and you have a great effort. And I watched the entirety of that game and I'm thinking the Sens are knocking on the door, but they still lose. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't, it, results have to matter at some point. You can't get to Christmas and say, you know what? We feel like we're close. Look at our goal differential. It's only minus one. Yeah. We're one of the you know better teams in the East when it comes to goal differential. It's not subjective that, scoring. Yeah, that doesn't doesn't work that way. Like results have to matter and the standings, even with the games in hand, you are still in 15th place by points percentage. Do you think DJ that can't, that can't work? Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, do you but, think, do you, but sorry, every shred of Intel that I have yeah. from the Sens is that they are loath to make a coaching change. So I was about to ask, what, what do you think that is? Do you think that is what we've heard from Steos of, okay, we just need things to be quiet. It needs to get a little quieter here. Or do you think that is Andrew Lahr saying, I just spent like a billion dollars. Maybe this guy could could coach the team for the rest of the year and then we can do this and I don't have to pay two coaches. No, like, to me, Michael those are the two, is, to me, those are the two the biggest factors. He's one of the most competitive factors. guys I've okay. been around. Okay, all right, fair. And uh, he's one of those guys that said a few weeks ago at the Board of Governors meeting, that when he's at a Sens game, don't come up and talk to him. Love he's that. So intense and I love into that. the game. That's great. <laughs> but the I think the real reason why they haven't made a change is because when they first took over and all these things happened, the Pinto suspension, yeah. uh, the forfeited draft pick, the GM being fired, that the players came to them and said, Look, it's been in there's been a ton of drama around this organization for a while. We'd really like to settle in. We like DJ Smith. We want to play for him. They went to bat for him. Mm. I just think at a certain point, the drama is louder with him than without him. Frank, if you're really talking about settling things down, doesn't that mean that you, you know, the volume is so turned up on, hey, is our coach getting whacked this week? And the question comes up every week. Right. That at some point, you probably just have to do it. Yeah. Yeah, well, if it continues in this fashion, you would think. Um, Frank, if we run into you at a Phillies or an Eagles game, can we talk to you? Of course. Okay, you're not too into the game. I mean, I, I don't. I, again, I don't know. It depends. Ask me how long I spend in the parking lot before I went in. And I'll <laughs> let you know whether you can actually like if if I'm coherent. I was gonna say it feels like that version might be more fun to hang yeah. out. With, gotta say. Yeah. Oh well. We'll see. Maybe one day. All right, uh, Frank. Uh, appreciate the time as always. Thanks, buddy. Have a good week, guys. All right, you too. Merry Christmas. Frank Cervelli, president of hockey content for dailyfaceoff.com. He was our insider brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit donvalleynorthlexus.com. You should be happy, Sens fans. You got an owner who cared, not somebody who just wanted the spotlight like Ryan Reynolds. It was great. Yeah. Ryan Reynolds would have learned to care. I mean, he he, he cares. You don't think Ryan Reynolds would have cared? Yeah, he would have. It's just like... I. I just know how I am, and, like, even if I had kajillion dollars, I could not buy the Winnipeg Jets and care about them. Like, I'm a Leaf fan. Didn't that guy grow up caring about a team? Like, 
Mm, Ryan Reynolds, yeah. like the from, Canucks. Yeah. yeah, he's from BC. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking here. So it's like I, I always hate this when it's like, oh yeah, just like oh, my boyhood allegiance and throw it all away. Like I get it from somebody's perspective who's like, but a Andlauer's businessman. from Toronto. No, no. I, well, I, I know that's how I'd feel about this. But he's also a minority. Like the guy, the guy's clearly wanted to have his like hands in there forever. But he clearly, to the point of competitive and caring. Yeah, he was a minority owner in the the Habs before he sold his stake to become this guy. But I don't know, Ryan Reynolds. Let me. Okay, let me put it this way. I'm mostly joking here, but I'm kind of not. Guy's in it for the right reasons, not himself. He's in there to he's in there to win. Okay, Ryan Reynolds he's in there, in there to make right a documentary reason. about it. Like, oh look at me, Wrexham, my friend uh, from Always Sunny. Give me a break. Good job, NHL. You got the right owner in there. Being mad, calling out Bettman. You think Ryan Reynolds yeah. is calling Bettman to the curb? No, I did like that. I will say also, uh, great work he does with sick kids in the city of Toronto. Yeah. And uh, that, that sweater he apparently has never taken off for the last five years. Uh, great job by him and Austin Matthews and all the work they do there. Stick to that. Not vanity sports, sports mm-hmm. ownership. Uh, fun with your third division soccer team or whatever. No, it's there. an interesting double-edged sword when you're talking about the sideshow that has become Ottawa this season. Yeah. Uh, it would have been great to have like a shiny bobble to hold up and like, hey, look at me. I'm over here. Oh, look at me. Oh, my bike's going to come to the game. Blake Lively, look at this. Yeah, yeah. you mean if Ryan Reynolds was there, we wouldn't yeah. be talking about gambling and... and <laughs> I'd still be talking about that, but yeah. Yeah, um, and everything that's surrounded that team. Like, is it a bigger distraction to fire the coach or have the coach who's like, he fired in waiting? Right. Like, which one's more detrimental to the team? The best part is, is that they've kind of done both by having the Grim Reaper, Jacques mm-hmm. Martin, poking around, mm-hmm. right? Everybody keeps saying, though, that he, he's no, not going to take dare over. We, how dare we say that? Yeah. And I, don't, I actually do agree with that because if I was as old as Jacques Martin, I, too, would want to work less than more. So I would not be signing up to be an NHL bench boss, but how can you not feel like it's mm. death hanging over your head every time you see him? Well, no, no shots to Jacques Martin. I'm sure he's a nice guy. Again, Mike Sullivan's one of those guys that is, it feels like he's on the hot seat as no, well. That, which is, and this is good talk to Colby about, because before the sea change happened in the Penguins organization, that was the guy in charge. Like mm-hmm. it kind of went Mario, Sid, Sullivan in terms of decision-making and pecking order. And rightfully so, like he is one of the longest tenured, if not the longest tenured head coach other than Cooper in the league. He has the winning to show for it. I think that guy is an awesome coach. He gets snapped up in a second. So, you know, understand you have to try something when you're at that position, but man, I'd be I'd be very careful thinking you're getting a better coach than Mike Sullivan. Yeah, Saturday was uh, felt like it's one of those games that gets you fired. It, it hasn't happened yet, and, and maybe it's just a one-off, but holy cow, was that... Well, uh, that was a no-show by a Penguins team that needs victories. He's not gonna. He's not gonna be the one to you know insert himself there. But we know we know the person whose opinion of Mike Sullivan matters the most. Yeah, of course. Yeah, and yeah. I think he likes him. All right, we'll we'll talk to a man who knows that guy too, who used to be roommate with, guys with with Sidney Crosby, Colby Armstrong. Uh, next, as the Fan Morning Show continues, Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet Five Ninety, the Fan. Diving deep into Leafs, Raptors, Jays, and NFL. The J.D. Bunkins Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet 5.9, the fan, Ben Annis, Brian Gunning. I think we can all come to the same conclusion about Saturday's game. Leafs destroying the Penguins 7 nothing. The Pittsburgh Penguins hate their dads. Yep, that is what I said. That was the conclusion of the dads trip. Like, how do you? Okay, it's 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 seven nothing. And mm-hmm. I thirty eight. No, like what? Like that? I think everybody. <laughs> I think Luke actually wrote this specifically in his 
uh, piece on sportsnet.ca. Mm-hmm. It's like that flattered the Penguins considering how the game went. It was seven nothing. It, it, I mean, play that game out again, maybe ten nothing. Maybe it was just an absolute demolishing. Mm-hmm. Of a Penguins team that won, needs to win to get into a playoff spot after missing the playoffs a yep. season ago. Has plenty of talent under pressure. And we're with their dads. Yep. I can't imagine a more embarrassing scenario than the conversation with the Patriarchs at the conclusion of that game. I made this joke after the Leafs ho-hum performance on the island. I know people <laughs> liked it more than that. But they should have all, no, no riding to back to the team hotel in a bus. They all should have had to sit with their dad right mm. in front of them with a the rear view mirror stationed in front of their face so their dad could glare them. But also, I do wonder, Penguins, oldest team in the league, how well could their dad see? It's a good point. Older dads. Well. Yeah, older well, dads. Yeah. So maybe and if they had corrective lenses, yeah. maybe at like five nothing, they took them off. Took them off. Just go, you know what? I'm good. We can listen. <laughs> hey. <laughs> good, ah! And the good well, and the good thing is with it being on the road and there being one particular person of ire. Uh, you know, only one only mm. one person was getting chanted at, and it mm. wasn't any of the players there. So yeah, yeah. my my kid played hockey over the weekend as well. Yeah, and as he does most games, yeah. they got destroyed. And you know, he's got a healthy disposition about it. Okay, I don't know if I like that. Almost too healthy. <laughs> well, this is what I'm getting at. Like they they, they try hard. Of course, yeah, they, wanna... they, there's a clear like there's a, a a talent gap. Okay, between them and all the teams they play. Okay, but. And I don't want him to get down on himself. No, of course not. But like, they do seem very pleased at Could the be conclusion. A upset. Yeah, <laughs> it's fine. Nine. They haven't started keeping score yet, so that it's half ice. Like it transitions yeah, yeah. to full ice actually in <sighs> in January next Boggy. month, where the like you know keep score and like there's offsides and icings and yada yada. Can they count that high based on and how you've been talking? Is yeah, my maybe that will put things in stark uh, contrast for them when like they see the goal totals going up on the scoreboard, but. Yeah, I, 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 I just I dip my toe in the waters in the yeah. car afterwards. I was like, "How do you feel about that?" It's like, "Ah, oh, it's good. Like we were fine." Yeah, I was you like, could, "You can you, care a little." You guys got got crushed again. It's like, "Yeah, yeah, I'm used to it." I'm like, oh, oh, I don't. That's not. You don't. I gotta be uh, honest. You don't want that. I don't know. Uh, I don't do, know what. To, what am I supposed to say though? Like, feel bad? Uh, do you want? Uh, we should go to. Uh, sticks and pucks with my three-year-old so he could feel really, really good about himself. Maybe yeah. that's the move. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Because, you know, I was I was too much the other way of always being like, sure. I'm so angry. And it's like, chill out, bro. It's it's hockey that will never matter after the second it ends uh, in your life. But, yeah, yeah I don't know. M- middle ground somewhere in there. I don't know. Let's talk to hockey dad, uh, Colby Armstrong. Sportsnet, Sportsnet Pittsburgh, Spit and Chicklets Game Notes, and TNT has a lot of jobs. How's it going, Colby? Great commercials yeah, where he helps the kids selly as well. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, that's a, honestly, Colby, you do great work, but your selly commercials are probably my favorite. <laughs> really good. Really good. That's ridiculous. Yeah. No, well, <laughs> well, well done. We, we sure see a lot of them. All right. Uh, so how, how concerned are the citizens of Pittsburgh, Penguins fans? Because uh, that was something on Saturday. Yeah, we didn't really get a chance to hash it out in Pittsburgh yet. You know what? We got the Steelers. We got Steelers and Penguins falling off a cliff a little bit this weekend. So there's lots to hash out. So, you know, we haven't really hit the wall. You know what we're saying? A loss is a loss. Yeah, well, that's what they said after the game. That's what Sid said, right? That's what Mike Sullivan said. Okay. They missed the playoffs last year. They got Eric Carlson for the next 100 years at $10 million per. 
Um, th- th- this this feels not so great, though. Like, I, I know it, it is just one game, and hey, hey, we're not even thirty games into the season here, so yeah, you could reverse it. But it's it's been it's been not a great run. Like, is there? Do you have reason to believe that there is a great run in this Penguins team? At times I do, and at times I'm like, <clears throat> uh oh, like, are we going to get over the the step that you need to get over to to be like a playoff contending team so uh they got the playoff the power play going um the last two games previous to that leafs blowout but at there if it's not all clicking together it's you're looking at it and going okay you have to you have to play at a 700 winning percentage and it's like you're gonna have to get to work but you know yeah, certainly. I mean, we were saying that about the Oilers, and uh, you know, hey, uh, if if anybody can do it, it's Sidney Crosby. But yeah, it's certainly uh, a tough tough sledding. You know, I know you've been. I'm sure you've been asked this question a million times, and I'm sure the answer is well, only Sid knows, and I don't even think he knows yet. But how do you think you see this all kind of ending up for Sid? I mean, no one's pouring dirt on him yet. Certainly shouldn't be the way he's playing this year, and I think we all expect him to continue playing until at least Canada gets to play a uh, best on best again. But do you think he ends up as one of these one-team guys? Can you can you squint and ever see him playing somewhere else? And, you know, they're both so hard for me to envision. I, I can't envision Crosby in any other jersey other than a Canada one. But I also can't envision Crosby just effectively, and, you know, I'm not saying this is necessarily going to happen there, but just playing out the string of, of, uh, of his career if he doesn't think he can win somewhere. What do you, what do you think the next few years kind of hold for Sid, Colby? Well, I think he looks awesome this year. I think a lot of people would agree. Um, it's a power play to have been going anywhere close to mediocre. It, he'd have he'd be in one of the top ten points in the league, possibly with the way he can produce. So he, he he's had jump. He's uh, leading this team not only with his play but his emotional play every night. He's kind of the guy that draws his team into the fire. And I thought the, when the wheels fell off early in that Toronto game, it was a missed high stick on him behind the net where he went ballistic. Yeah. And then everyone just kind of wilted. And so and more often than not, it's, it's got to be him, but what does his future hold? I can see him ticking along at a one year deals and trying to see where it gets him possibly, or where his game's at. Mm. That's what I could see. I mean, does this Penguins team not have to get younger at some point? Like, I get it. Like, you got to keep. I, I, I was not against the idea of of a Carlson trade going for it. Yeah, because right, it's Sid, yeah. right? Like, and and you, you might go pear shape, but whatever. It's it's no one's going to fault you for for going for it, despite missing the playoffs last year because you got Sid. And yeah, you're not you're not going to throw uh, throw everything away just because you're the oldest team in the NHL. But man, if you miss the playoffs again this season, Colby. It'd be hard not to like have the conversation, right? About about getting younger. Yeah. How how do you do that? Yeah, well, we've had a lot of moving parts in Pittsburgh in the last few years. New ownership, new GMs, uh, new vision uh, with ownership, and so Dubis came in, and and the mandate was to go for it, and I like that. I think the fans like that, and that's what I think the Carlson trade did. It kind of just pumped a surge of optimism into this fan base, and. As long as you have um, Crosby, Malkin, Latang, um, you got to take a, a chance and go for it. And they've always kind of done that here over the years. 
Yeah. So it was it was kind of on the table and and to do it and to go for it. But there's no question that after this year, with Dubis in charge, President GM, and you know where he's going to want to take this. That, that that's going to be on the table for sure. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting. And, you know, the thing I've kind of wondered from the outside, and we're not there yet, and, you know, there's no point in speculating about it until we're there, is that if if this does go pear-shaped, it, it does feel like it's kind of all going to be, and not that he's would be without blame in this, but it's all going to be laid at the feet of Dubas, right? Because obviously no one's going to turn on that core for everything they've done. And Mike Sullivan, I mean, he almost feels like the, the fourth part of the core. It's like Flurry left and Sullivan yeah. took, took his place. Like, you just talk about his kind of place in the organization because – before Dubis was hired, it almost felt like he was de facto in charge. Like I know Hextall and Burke were there for a time, but it felt like Sullivan carried just as much, if if not more, weight than those guys did at times. Yeah, I think he I think he carries a lot of weight here. I think with you know the term of his contract and and how long he's here, what he's done here, how good his teams have been, and I think he's uh, earned a big say in kind of with the direction of where this team goes. Uh, and how he feels of the pulse of the team, pulse of the future of this team. So yeah, he does. I think he did have a big say. I think he. I think he still kind of has a collaborative, big, big collaborative say with the management. And so yeah, that's where that's where it kind of lies with him. Like he's he's yes the head coach, but uh, I think his his word carries a lot of weight around here. Mm. All right, so the Penguins were really bad on Saturday. Leafs were really good, though. Oh, I mean, yeah. It was like a combination of the of the two. And yeah, we talked a lot about the the Matthew Nyes scrap, the first of his entire career, apparently. Um, yeah, this this is a Leafs team that... Yeah, that, let's go, Nyes. <laughs> right? I mean, is Get that... It going. <laughs> well, is that, we haven't seen a ton of that out of this core over the last, like, almost a decade, Colby. Like, is there an indication that this is a, a different Leafs team? Well, I don't know. I like the fire that they had in that game. They definitely came out with a purpose. There's no question. You're missing Matthews. How how are they going to be? How are they going to react? And, um, you know, Nye's missed a couple games. He came out. He was pumping it all night. He was going. You get the Gordy Howe hat trick, the eighth this year. Pretty impressive stuff. I've been on a Monday night show. I kind of I kind of ragged on him. I was like, hey, this kid's a big kid. He's got, at times when I watch him with a puck, he looks like Matthews. Like it's crazy to look at him. And then I'd expect more production for him a little bit from me looking at him. And he has that physical ability as well. So he came out and he had a great game, but they, that was a big game for them. I thought they, 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 they came out with a purpose and they were desperate and they played, played well. They executed. So I don't know if they're a different team, I think there's still the same issues with, you know, defensively. Now we got the goaltending situation, although on Saturday night, their third stringer looked pretty good. But, um, yeah, I think the same warts kind of sit on them and, and we'll, we'll see what they can push to as, as this year goes on. But there's no question they have five power. What they, you know, you look at the amount of goals they've scored in a, a 
you know, four periods. Yeah, it was funny. Their goal differential was like plus four uh, before uh, or a week ago. And then they pumped seven against the Rangers and seven on Saturday night. And all of a sudden it's up to plus 16 and it's looking it's looking pretty good. You know, the nice thing, I think everybody sees what you're talking about there. He's such a big kid. He's so strong. He's so fast. And, you know, we would sometimes think that maybe a player playing physical can get his confidence going and play and maybe get the offense going. But it almost felt like the opposite to me. He walks in. He has that incredible move. Go backhand shelf. And then he, he's just feeling himself and he kind of sees red when Domi gets hit that way. It was, it was really, really encouraging to see. You mentioned the, you mentioned the idea of Martin Jones there and, you know, I'm sure you've played on teams where goaltending has been really strong at times, but also been a, a bit of a question mark. What do you think it would do to the guys in the leaf room with Samsonov kind of fighting it a little bit, Joe wall hurt. And all of a sudden, you know, Martin Jones, isn't your average third stringer, right? This is a guy who's done no. things in the league. And what do you think it does to the team to, to have not just a goalie come in and I mean, pitching the shutout's great, but just playing well. But the fact that it's a guy with the track record that, that Jones has. Yeah, he's been a past starting goalie in the NHL for a number of years. So, like, I, I think of the time when the Penguins were playing the Rangers in the playoffs. We had Louis Big, spicy mm. chicken, broccoli. Oh, one of the best quotes ever. <laughs> <laughs> Not <laughs> the best. <laughs> he comes in and, and they find a way to win a game. but And it was kind of like a Cinderella run until they whiffed on a... 60 foot wrister from the point and and that was it games so it was it was it was one of those moments but i think a team can galvanize and play solid look you're missing matthews mm-hmm. and then you have him starting only two games under his belt uh this year uh but it does kind of make you clamp down and and you know maybe mentally find another another level to focus yeah, I mean, we talked about that as well. Like, from a player's perspective, what does that do when you know, well, not just Matthews, but no TJ Brody as well? Like, you had some pretty significant pieces out. Um, I imagine that's not like a conscious, like, a discussion that's had before the game that, hey, we got to up our level here. But, yeah, what what is the mentality going into a game like that? Yeah, I think it just dials you in. I think it just dials you in. You have, you're missing some guys. Everyone else has to pick up the pace, pick up the holes, try to fill them as best you can. Um, and obviously you can't, it's hard to, you know, touch what Matthews does, but, uh, collectively as a group, there's no question like a team and a team like that, like team like the Leafs in that situation would, would buckle up and, and dial in and, and individually to a man. And they were t- probably talking about it, uh, where they had to get their level of compete and, and, and where their mental preparation was at to dig in and, and, and pick up for these guys. Yeah, certainly. Um, Forever in the NHL, it's been, you know, you want to have a good regular season. You want to be rolling going into the playoffs, but it's, hey, get in. Maybe your goalie gets hot and then anybody has a chance. We were just talking to Frank Saravelli earlier on in the hour, and he says he thinks that that mindset's kind of changing a little bit around the league with teams that maybe even in a playoff spot, maybe changing their tune. And obviously the players aren't going to do that. They're going to keep trying to, to to play hard, but do you think there is a bit of a changing in the NHL where it's not just, okay, get in and anybody has a chance, but we look at it more like other sports where you go, no, the, the teams that were good all year long are probably going to be, be good into the playoffs. Like if forever we've looked at it, the playoffs is a bit of a crapshoot, get a hot goalie. And it seems like teams are maybe changing, changing their tune a little bit and trying to think a little more clearly about their chances. Does that surprise you? If that thinking is kind of becoming more commonplace uh, among front offices? You know, and I, I think that that I think teams want to hit the hit it hit it at the right time, and timing is more important, I think, than 
And I think a lot of teams and players overall with sports science and all this stuff that they've made bigger are uh, a bigger part of building their teams and managing their teams. I think, I think managing your season, your regular season is, is more important almost than, than winning the president's trophy, right? It's like, how do we feel? How do we feel good? And, and when do we hit it right? When does it all come together? So I think that's an, I think that's a major thought process with not only teams, but, but players. And yeah, you want to play well, right? You want to finish where you, the best place you can and get home ice advantage, of course. But uh, I think the timing of uh, and the and the style of play at the right time mm. is um, more important. All right, last one before I let you go. We we're just talking about this before we brought you on. So my kid, he's playing rap hockey for the first time. He's eight years old, uh, and his team stinks. And Does he have an agent? He doesn't, not yet. Probably not required. Well, I think you just offered. Yeah. That's your advisor right there. <laughs> advisor. I, yeah, I feel like uh, it's probably not uh, something that should, needs to be forefront of mind. Um, but, yeah, they get killed weekly, and, like, he has a good attitude about it. Like, almost too good. Like, do, do I need to step in that, like, I never see him get upset. Honestly, they get destroyed on a weekly basis. And he's like, yeah, just water off a duck's back. Like, do it. I don't even know what I would say, but, like, is that concerning? I would say this. Is he getting enough ice touch, <laughs> uh, ice, t- ice touches? <laughs> yeah. Is he handling the puck enough? Yeah. Is he getting better? Do you think he's developing? Or are you going to be the dad or the team that's like, oh, we're not number 10 in the rankings? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, buddy. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> the scouts are going to come watch us. If little Johnny isn't on a 20-1 and OT. No, they, they He's like eight. Yeah, I know. Shut up. All right. Okay. Ben, just for the record, Ben Ben doesn't need to hear that. I do need to preemptively hear <laughs> yeah, that for yeah. my three-year-old. Yeah. So thank you for that pep no, talk, it's, Colby. It's, Much needed for me. It's good advice. Hey, buddy. Uh, great to talk to you. I, I can't wait to see you again as soon as I turn on my television because you're always on. Can't wait. I know. It's an oversaturation of the old arm dog. <laughs> oh, well done. Disagree. You're doing great. Perfect amount. Uh, see you, Colby. All right, guys, now I'm going to go bang my head against the wall from this minor hockey talk. <laughs> <laughs> See you, man. Uh, Colby Armstrong, Sportsnet, Sportsnet Pittsburgh, Spittin' Chicklets, Game Notes, and TNT. Yeah, it's, Do you I, think he has a microphone just attached to him at all times, just in case he has a thought? Like, that would this be should smart. be shared with somebody. That would be smart. Because, again, like he's everywhere, and we love him for it. Yeah. I'm not the hockey. I never, no, you're not. Honestly, I never anticipated... My kid playing anything other than house league, he requested to try out for rep this year, and it's like yeah. the lowest level mm-hmm. rep team you can play on. Yeah. And he's having fun. Good. Yeah, again, like I, it, it's about instilling the correct mentality, I would say. And, you know, accepting defeat is a good thing, and like failure, that's a good thing to have in your yeah. arsenal, getting through life. But also like the whole it's competitive, be a, being be competitive is like also – part of what we're trying to instill here yeah i got i got the exact opposite problem uh if i 
dare, and I believe me, I dare often mm-hmm. uh, to win mini sticks uh, against my child. There is a lot of uh, grunting and anger in my direction going, I win. Mm-hmm. So I've got kind of the exact opposite problem. So okay. I don't know, maybe the two of us together, we can have some melding of the no, minds. And- there is a perfect middle ground where, yeah, like you're not breaking sticks. You're not yeah. freaking out. Don't you're want not that. getting into and uh, crying oh God, fists at the conclusion you. of games. Oh, if your kid broke a stick in anger, oh, I can I can only imagine your anger. Oh, that. buddy. Yeah, I know. Do you know how much those I, cost? That's why I said it. That is like It's not the act. Mm. It's the act of the new stick leaving your bank account that would mm. anger you the most. Yeah. I know you. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I, uh, anyways, it's, it's probably better to be uh, erring on the side of the equation For than sure. the other. Definitely. Um, Leafs are good. Like, the Leafs are good. Like, we talk about style points, and Colby's right. Like, getting through yeah. an 82-game season, and it's so much more about, hey, sports science and making sure you're peaking at the postseason. Mm-hmm. You got to get in. But, yeah, like, look at the Ottawa Senators who would like to have a few more ugly wins where they got outplayed over the course of the 60 minutes. The, the Leafs have done plenty of picking up points they didn't deserve, and and now the points are coming when they do deserve them. Yeah, I mean, there have been, there have been certainly better things to be over the last five years than a Leaf fan. For sure. No one's going to quibble with that. But there are so many worse things you could be in sport. Like you just mentioned it, the Sens. We've talked about how many bad NFL teams forever that have been dying to have playoff wins, whatever. Mm-hmm. So, hey, there's work to do. They, But everything they've done is built in the right direction this year. Good yeah. team. Yeah, they're going to be in the postseason. They might be at the top of the Atlantic division. It hasn't been a Picasso by any stretch of the imagination, but there's way more mitigating factors than reasons to, to be disappointed about this team. Yeah, cue the beat down from the Rangers tomorrow after we said all sure, that. Sure, buddy. Yeah. Sure. Uh, it's the NHL. Anything can happen. That's <laughs> true. Certainly, Jordan certainly, certainly pencil in that loss in Columbus coming up after that. Oh, all right. yeah. All right, uh, we'll be back tomorrow. This has been the Fan Morning Show. Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Good morning. Good morning.